Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we take a love for movies and television and combine it with very little knowledge about movies and television. I'm your host, Christian. Join me are my co-host, Ian. Hey, what's up, guys? Joseph. Yellow. Jehu. And away we go. See, very topical. Good. That was a good. That was topical. good. Yep. Uh, this week, we're going to be discussing Quentin Tarantino's latest, probably the most anticipated movie of this podcast. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, starring a whole bunch of people about a failing spaghetti western actor i don't know if he actually was it yeah and his sidekick stunt double slash gopher slash gopher (laughs) who happened to be neighbors to sharon tate yep in 1969 hollywood joseph i think you have a cast list and everything i do yes this whole episode is going to be full of spoilers so you know (laughs) so yeah it's 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 about a fictional duo male duo who happened to be living next door to sharon tate Around the time of the Manson murders, yeah, and it's it's more about than the Manson murders, but these two guys navigating Hollywood at like the end of the era. You know what and, I mean? Yeah, just, I, just like a changing of a guard time yep. when it went from sort of the canned Hollywood studio system to more the influence that the rock and roll generation were going to bring into. Yeah, I feel like it's showing like the John Wayne kind of male lead is kind of going away, right? And that's yeah, exactly. what Leo is, and it's kind of like these more the Steve McQueen kind of. You right. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. These more like yeah. different looking guys. I will say. I actually think it's more about the Manson murders than it lets itself on to be. Yeah, I can and, see that. And uh, we'll get more of that when we get spoilers. I definitely think the Manson murders like weighed heavy on this dude's mind. Sure. Yes. yes. Uh, well, let's talk about some of the cast list. We got uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, second Tarantino film after uh, Django. Django Unchained, as Rick Dalton, you know, former movie actor, successful TV actor, kind of on the decline. Uh, Brad Pitt, uh, who plays Cliff Booth, who is a stuntman and kind of a gopher for Rick Dalton, and also just kind of a persona non grata in Hollywood after some uh, some rumors about yeah. his personal life. Uh, Just oozing cool in that role, I know. Like, like, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't want to go, but yeah, he is so... Just effortlessly cool in this. Yep. Like Leo's playing guy who's trying to be Steve McQueen. Yeah. This guy is Steve McQueen, just with no ambition. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh Margaret Robbie is Sharon Tate, kind of on the rise. Again, a real life person. Yep. yep. Uh Emil Hirsch as Jay Sebring, which I have to stop on this one because I found out in, in like looking up who is the cast list. Did you guys know that Emil Hirsch like choked a lady to death in, at Sundance? Not yep. to death, but almost. Yep. No, I, I did not know that. He was at Sundance and he got into a, a drunk argument with some studio executive and like apparently came up from behind her and just like choked her and, until she was almost and he unconscious. got charged with a crime like yeah. it was a thing yeah it was wow. a whole thing the only way i'll excuse that is if it was because someone was bagging on speed racer for sure <laughs> he just, he yeah. just flipped yeah. jay sebring also a real person Cele- yes. celebrity hairstylist yeah. so is roman polanski her husband yep. yes uh, almost everybody else in this movie but cliff booth and yeah because the yeah. shows are like real you know yeah. except for you know, Ish, Rick uh, Dalton's show. Yeah. yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, we got, Outlaw bounty yeah. or whatever. Uh, Al Pacino is Marvin Shores, who's also a, what is he, a studio executive? Studio executive. What, yeah. what a picture. <laughs> <laughs> Julia Butters is Trudy, the young actress that acts opposite uh, Rick Dalton in his, I don't know. What Lancer. Lancer, you're right, yeah. in Lancer. Uh, Margaret Qualley is Pussycat, one of the, the Manson hippies, yep. who I thought was really great. Uh, Timothy Oliphant. Very specifically cast, in my opinion, as James Stacy, also mm-hmm. acting opposite in Lancer. Uh, Mike Moe is Bruce Lee. Uh, so good. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, uh, Bruce Lee's family doesn't think so. No. <laughs> uh, D- D- he, I don't think they have a problem with the performance. I think they have a problem with the, you know, like the his role in the movie. But the anyway, writing. Yeah. Uh, Damian Lewis is Steve McQueen. I hate that guy's face. I can't decide if he has a butthole mouth or a butthole face, <laughs> but one of them just really like visually upsets me. 
he looks a lot like Steve McQueen, but his real hair looks more like Steve McQueen than that, that, that wig. Wiggies, yeah, right? absolutely. That. That's super fair. Uh, Austin Butler is Tex, another one of the Manson guys that I had to bring up because he's not Adam Driver or Bill Skarsgård, right. and I was surprised by that. Yeah, right. and, and he's an up-and-coming. He got cast as the lead in the Elvis biopic, yeah. so he's would, like an up-and-coming guy. Why would you ever cast that guy if you could cast Adam Driver or Bill Adam Skarsgård? Driver would have been perfect in that role. Adam You're Driver right. would have been awesome <laughs> in that role. Uh, what if Adam Driver can't sing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, Damon Harriman as Marilyn Manson, who I was like, Charles Where? Manson. Charles <laughs> Manson. <Not> Marilyn <laughs> Manson. <Different> movie. <laughs> I should, you know, I wrote down first and last names for everyone but that one. And I should have because I'm a fucking moron. Uh, which I was trying to figure out where I knew him from. He's Dewey Crow in Justified. Oh, uh, right on. Yeah. Uh, He's also playing Charles Manson in Mindhunter season two. Cool. Is he really? Yeah, which the trailer, season, just, trailer came just came out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kurt Russell is Randy and the narrator, uncredited. And Zoe Bell, who's in all Tarantino's movies, is Randy's wife, Janet. Oh, that's Zoe Bell? Yeah. Jesus, I didn't even catch yeah. that. You're uh, right. <laughs> also, uh, Ravenhawk, Uma Thurman's. Yeah, oh, yeah. oh yeah, from Stranger I've Things. I've got a whole list of cameos she's towards the end of people yeah, who have she just smaller pops roles. Up, yeah. So let's, I think we should start off talking about what our general reactions are like we normally sure. do of this film. Who wants to go first? You know, four white guys sitting here, I don't think it's going to be a surprise that we loved it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, it's funny, I, going into this i was uh I, you know because i didn't get to see it till like five or six days after it came out and i was purposely keeping away from reactions and everything because i knew we were in the beginning of people being ready for a tarantino backlash yeah and you know every time i would scroll through twitter i kept waiting for people to say something shitty and stuff like that and most of the suspects who i thought were had nothing, so I figured it must be pretty good. You know, and I can see why the back the backlash is coming. Like this is, you know, catnip for white guys. It's you know, definitely a white guy movie. And you know, and and uh and white guys are the least cool they've ever been right now. So i I can see why the backlash would be coming, but I you know, they're gonna have to pick the next movie because this <laughs> one was a blast. <laughs> My my takeaway is it's it's his funniest movie. It's that, that's really what funny. I thought. It's it, really it funny. is by far his funniest movie. I don't know if it's my favorite one he's done, mm-hmm. but I absolutely loved it for two hours and forty minutes. It fucking flew by. Yeah. yeah, I did not feel that length at all. And um, like the scene that I really fucking love is when he fucks up his lines. Yes, and yeah. he goes in the trailer and he's like. Yeah. Goddamn eight whiskey sours. He couldn't yeah. stop yeah, yeah, two yeah. and three. And then yeah. he like looks in the mirror. And he's like, if you don't get your fucking lines right, I'm gonna blow your brain. Yeah, down. that's <laughs> hilarious. That is so funny. What, like it had me dying. But the great, the best part about that scene is then he goes in and does the bit, and it might be the best Leo has ever been. Yeah, 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 and he yeah. fucking destroys it. <laughs> yeah. like, the whole thing, and even before that with the little girl, that whole scene, yeah. like yeah. that twenty minutes was gold, man. It was so yeah. good. So I mean, I, I think that that plays into what I think. I agree. I don't know if it's my favorite Tarantino film. It's definitely, it's longer, and I feel like it's less, uh, I feel like a lot of his movies come out to make a statement. And aside from towards the end of this movie, I feel like most of the movie isn't making a statement, you know? Yeah. It, it's it's fairly restrained. But Leo and Brad Pitt are phenomenal individually, yep, right. and then they're just a great buddy duo the whole time. And they're like, their dual charisma just carries his movie. Definitely cannot say enough that Brad Pitt is just so fucking charming. No, absolutely. Yeah. He's just so I, cool. I think <laughs> since maybe like the first Ocean movies, he's just been on autopilot. Yeah. And this was him like clicking back. Well, in Glorious Bastards too, he was yeah, working that. But this was really... Like he was, he's just fucking on in this. Yeah. I really like this movie. I liked it that I didn't like it walking out of it, but like four days later, someone asked me about it and I was like, I don't know. I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. I was like, oh, 
it's a pretty good movie then. Like, yeah. if I can't stop thinking about it since then. And the ending really kind of blew me away. <laughs> but, you know, kind of going back to, like, the Manson murder thing, like, I feel like there's another layer there that I didn't get watching it. And the more I let, like, stew on it, the more I began to appreciate and really like that layer. I think the name Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is very indicative of what the movie is. And I think this movie is a fairy tale. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's not so much like, whereas in Glorious Bastards, it's just kind of this fictional story within this universe right. this is what quentin tarantino like this is his fantasy film right this is yeah exactly i can't yeah. say much more than that without getting into spoilers 100 percent. yeah but yeah um it has a real like all over the place pace like characters will get such long scenes to themselves that you'll forget the other characters mm-hmm. in the movie mm-hmm. and it it almost uh thumbs its nose at, at some uh, convictions of what you can't do in a movie. Like there is literally a flashback within a flashback. Absolutely yep, there is. Yep, yep. You know, and, and it's pretty hilarious. But, I mean, uh, the only criticism I think that's fair of this movie is like Sharon Tate does not talk in that movie. Nope. Like she has like literally no lines, mm-hmm. which yeah. I thought was odd. It doesn't bother me. I don't think it's like something that's going to like, it doesn't make me not like the movie. But I walking out of it, that was one of my takeaways. Like, wow, she really does not. All she does is dance. She yeah. dances the entire well, I mean, movie. Again, I, I think that that's you know an intentional choice because we're just supposed to be watching her. You know, it's not yeah. like we're not supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It's kind of I think runs that duality of like we're we're supposed to be kind of like watching her. We're getting invested in her doing her thing and and uh, kind of like as a guardian view, mm-hmm. but also from this like predatory view. Of like you know she you know you know what happens well, we know right well happen. as we as the viewers know what really happens in real life so it's it's kind of like you know it's like the Jaws theme as you creep closer and closer to yeah so I think it works in both ways but yeah it is it's kind of weird to have one of the main characters be so I just, I actually yeah. I well, I think it's very intentional for another reason I think she's also kind of supposed to be almost your point of view character in that you she is starstruck and just enjoying yeah being in hollywood mm-hmm. yep. which is like what that's it would true happen that's to a you. good point sometimes when you're around so the idea of being around celebrity maybe you wouldn't really get a word out but hey you're at this party why not enjoy yourself like i think she i think you're supposed to connect to her on a level that like she isn't this full-fledged star all the stereotypes people have about anne hathaway mm-hmm. right like how would you? How do you get past that? You do the exact opposite, and I feel like an un, a character that doesn't really talk much and who's just trying to like enjoy the moment and have a good time because she knows it's not going to last. And and agree the, the the predatory thing I think is a really good description. Yeah, but. yeah. I, after we watched out of it, Sarah's first thing said was, uh, "Why the fuck was Sharon Tate even in this movie?" <laughs> yeah. Like you know, like she she's she is just she's just sort of a prop in it. Yeah, right, you know. well, and and yeah, that's that is I guess the other purpose. You know, I mean, she didn't interact with really either of the two mains. One of which she has pretty good chemistry with. Yeah, I mean, she, I don't think she does a scene with either one of them. Yeah, I mean, you know, there is some dialogue between them, but again, that that'll. Yeah, save for spoilers. You're yeah. right, though. It is interesting that they have no interaction yeah. after they did a whole three and a half hour movie right. together. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's funny because I, one of the things, that if I was going to complain about the movie, I you know it is self indulgently long on some specific like you know establishing shots. Here's some yeah. here's some places in Hollywood that were historically accurate. I'm sure to whatever the the day yeah. is. Tarantino's uh, jerking off the Hollywood a lot. 100. percent But, but that's okay. it's funny because <laughs> the the movie itself only takes really takes place over like three days. Yep. Uh, yeah, really three, it's a weekend six months before the Manson murders took place. Uh-huh, and then, I mean, yeah. That's the just of the, the crux of the movie, you know yeah. what I mean? I uh, I agree with you. I think some of the shots last a long time. However, I will say in his defense, some of the coolest fucking driving shots we've gotten in a long sure. time, yeah. I thought. Yeah, definitely. You know, at this point, I'm not amazed by 
whatever you can do with a computer, who gives a fuck. But uh, but when they can clear out an entire street in Hollywood and remake it as like 1969, that shit impresses me. Yep. Yeah. Uh, speaking of computers, though, this movie had what I think are Tarantino's first computer effects. The Forrest Gump stuff with The Great Escape. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're probably yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. I didn't even think about that. God, I love it. There's so many great bits in this <laughs> yeah. movie. That oh, is I a know. great bit. <laughs> the part where they're watching his episode of FBI, yep. that shit's great. I've, yeah. heard, I've heard someone say that that should be the commentary of the film as the two of them in <laughs> character <laughs> yeah. criticizing their own movie. That would be pretty funny. It'd be fucking hilarious. If I had a complaint i do think it's a bit long and i kind of agree with the sharon tate thing but i actually go more on roman polanski sure uh that's a really fucking terrible human being who's just like glazed by right. by being this awesome chick's wa- husband yeah um you i turned to joseph and i was like are we sure he's not worse than charles manson like charles manson never actually killed anybody <laughs> <laughs> roman actually raped that girl right, right. Yeah. did all that happen after sharon tate died yeah yes yeah that probably fucked him up you know what I mean? Not like excuse, but I mean like that's what his wife says. Like he's probably a fucking mess. You know what I mean? Like that's what his like twelve year old wife. Yeah. Says. <laughs> like I can yeah. like I mean having your wife get brutally murdered like yeah. that, eight months pregnant. Like I don't know. He's definitely not. I right. agree. He's it's definitely not up. right I'm in just the head. Saying, you know what I mean? A terrible human being. Yeah. That's, that's, and we just gloss over it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I thought the Emil Hirsch casting was so weird. After I just read this whole thing, right. it's like you've already put Roman Polanski in this yeah. movie, and then you actually cast a real life. Yeah. Fucking crazy person. I don't know. You know, it's, it's odd. I mean, it kind of makes sense for Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, though. I guess so. Did you guys know that the the Bruce Dern part was supposed to be Burt Reynolds? Yes, yes. it did. Did yeah. you guys read the thing about like one of the last things he ever did was go to a table read of it? Yep. And oh. it was kind of like, I don't know how much is this they are remembering it to be nice, but it was kind of like a nice send off for him because it was, you know, Burt Reynolds was a guy who was very popular, yeah. but maybe never got the acclaim he wanted. Mm-hmm. And he had guys like Pacino and Leonardo telling him yeah. how great he was. Apparently Brad Pitt was particularly in awe of him. So, uh, so I thought that was cool. It's a bummer he didn't make yeah. it for it. Yeah. yeah. Although Bruce Dern, it's always fucking cool to see. Who would have thought Bruce Dern would have outlived uh, Burt Reynolds? Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, I know. Burt, Bruce Dern's been old since like 1955. I feel like, I feel like Bruce Dern and Christopher Plummer are just like, 100%. you know, battling for parts yeah. until one of them dies. <laughs> there was a Christopher Plummer pre- a preview on my on my showing of this, and I was like, Christopher Plummer's still alive? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, he's playing George Spann. Yep. So yeah. if you guys are familiar with that, he's great. When yeah, he Brad Pitt goes and sees Bruce Dern, like I love Bruce Dern. He's yeah. just fucking. Yeah. He's so funny. That's another he, funny, he's funny, funny scene. He's funny in that scene yes. too. Yeah. When he, she's like, "Hey, is that redhead out there?" He's like, "What the fuck? Did I not just tell you I'm blind? <laughs> How do I know her hair color?" <laughs> I feel like we should just go to spoilers. I was about to say, should we even address spoilers? Should we just put in here that the whole thing is spoiler filled? Yeah, hundred percent. We're, we're a little late to it. I'm going to cut it back. Yeah, right. it'll be fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, so you know, I mean, we haven't spoiled much yet. What did we just spoil? Well, yeah, the, we haven't the, spoiled anything. Well, the, the George Sp- is it Spawn? Spawn. Spawn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The George Spawn thing. I feel like is a big because to me that scene besides uh, that that's like one of Tarantino's tensest scenes which is saying something for Tarantino right. yeah, yeah, yeah. like it, the the whole time it's just constantly giving you these signals that Brad Pitt just turn around just turn around and leave. leave. Right. Stop doing no, whatever totally. you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it becomes like a horror movie. Yeah, it, it does. And, it does. And, and from people who are so obviously lying. Right. You know, right. like not even good lying. <laughs> 
Well, and um, also who we on this side of the fourth wall know right, are bad. Right. People. And and so for to you know, I don't I didn't actually know the story, so I didn't know that George Spawn was a real person. This mm-hmm. one was the real thing. And so like for him to open the door and to, to be actually be an old dude who's napping, right. who's like waiting to watch <laughs> right. his FBI file. That's true. It was amazing. It was an amazing turn. Um the really good casting on Lena Dunham, and I do not mean that in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> like she felt really right in that role. That's yep. fair. Oh, uh, God. Who who is the girl who plays Pussycat? Dakota Fanning? No, no. not Dakota Fanning. The girl. Uh, that, is Margaret, da- that is Dakota Fanning? It is Dakota well, Fanning. Okay, good, good. Yeah, uh, Margaret Qualley. She, how long is she going to be able to play a 16-year-old? She's been playing a 16-year-old for well over What else day. is she in? She plays the exact same part in The Nice Guys. That's probably why you were thinking, it seems like Ryan Gosling uh, should be in this movie because she plays the exact same yeah. part. I was going to say... She, she does a really good job of, like, walking that line right. of, like, you know, jailbait, essentially. Right. Yeah. yeah. Because when, when she's, like, interacting with uh, with Brad Pitt, it's like, you, you don't know if she wants, like, a daddy or, like, a daddy. Right. <laughs> and the answer is yes. Um, she also but, basically plays the same part on The Leftovers, too. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's got a niche. Right. I was going to say, I thought all of the Manson family really made me appreciate how fucking terrifying hippies are. Right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I had gotten that before. Before, I, I'm a pretty big fan of that decade and area, right. and uh, it made me less so. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing that I was worried about going in. You know, one thing that Tarantino always has going for him is he's great at laying out a soundtrack, putting the right song in the right scene. And I didn't know how he was going to do 1969 without doing things that are cliche for 1969. Yeah. CCR, The Doors, shit like that. Uh, Anything from Woodstock. Right, right. But he really, like, skirted around that pretty well. The only thing like that was that one Deep Purple song in there, Hush. That's pretty in 60s movies, but it worked well in that scene because it was sort of when you were switching to that lifestyle in the movie. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that was cool. Yeah, it was good. I mean, I, the, the, going back to that George Spann or, or Spawn. Spawn, yeah. Where, um, you know, Brad Pitt, like, they'd already established him as, like, a badass because mm-hmm. he had, like, beaten Bruce Lee. Yeah. Right. So, like, 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 he knew, like, I felt like he knew going in, like, oh, this, I'm in trouble. But he just didn't give a fuck because he's like such a badass. See, I, he's like, I, I no one yeah. can touch me. I just you know thought what I mean? he thought he was in trouble, but he thought he was around a bunch of harmless hippies, right. which is what he would think if he's in yeah. that situation. Yeah. But we know who the Manson family are. <laughs> We're like, yeah. oh shit. <laughs> yeah, there was a bit I thought he was going to die. There. Yeah, yeah 100%. Because yeah. uh, that would be a very Tarantino y thing uh-huh. to do. Oh, yeah, so speaking of, if we're going to go back to the, the knowing that Cliff is a badass from the earlier sequence, let's go to the flashback within the flashback <laughs> right. deal. One of the the early gags, or one of the early things you learn is that, uh, I can't think of his name, Cliff. Cliff, Cliff, yeah. Cliff can't get work, uh, particularly on, on the set that Rick's on right now, because Randy is, is the the stuntman guy and you're like well what's the what's the deal with cliff and randy and they give you the full fucking deal which is amazing and they cut so quickly there's like no explanation for it yeah yeah. at one point you just think oh he well he's went to set yeah absolutely it took me a second to realize oh i'm in a flashback yeah so yeah the, the the first thing you learned is that uh, Cliff is I'm much assumed to have killed his wife. Yeah, yeah. And is. then there's there's a really hard cut to like an in, in, in media's rays of them on a boat and like God, it's it's an amazing scene. For a pre- he just looks he looks so defeated yeah, and know. the spear gun's pointed right at <laughs> yeah. him. And like, you know, like if, if you want to talk about visual language in film, like the way that it's shot with like yeah. his face yeah. and the way the heart is the mask. Angles, yeah. Oh the, for a for a pre-murder scene, it was by far yeah. the funniest thing. My favorite. Oh, I've absolutely! Ever seen. And it, it was it was the funniest Tarantino scene since 
all man, I shot Marvin in the face. <laughs> yeah. Which is, you know, again, a spot that is not usually comedy. Yeah, you know? and so, yeah, and, and the the other great bit about that scene is the it cuts at exactly the right moment. Yeah, yep. yeah. yeah. Um, but then it goes on to another great flashback it, exactly, bit yeah. with Bruce Lee, which is hilarious. Yeah. So good. Where Mike Moe's doing a... Uh, I can't decide if it's if it's an accurate impression or a caricature of Bruce Lee. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty similar to what Brandon Lee does in um, Dragon the Bruce Lee yeah. story. It's yeah. a similar voice, you know. Uh, you know, I think he plays him off as a little more of a braggart than that. Yeah. But uh, you know, I think there's some historical evidence to being a little him being a little of his own hype man. So I'm not. I don't have too much of a problem with that. Uh, and technically, the fight was a draw. Sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. they both got in a good hit. Yeah. Sure. And I, and I think as far as you're talking about, this is this is a movie for white guys to make white guys <laughs> feel good. 100%, you know, in uh, narrative language, right. Brad Pitt beating Bruce Lee is supposed to tell us that, you know, Brad Pitt's fucking awesome. Right. But from a second layer of it, it's white guy beats the greatest martial artist ever <laughs> because of course white people are better. Yeah, yeah it's uh, it's got it's got some questionable messages right. all overall, but it's I a enjoyed great, it. It's yeah. a great scene. Uh, yeah. I don't think uh, Tarantino's anything but a Bruce Lee fan. Yeah, so no, I absolutely. Don't, I don't think, and that, I, I, th- I think that scene is played to subvert your expectations of what you think is going to happen. Right. But no, Hunter, I completely right. agree. Well, I think it's also there to, like I said, establish Brad Pitt as like he's the fucking badass. Yeah, right. you know what I mean. Like, don't fuck with him. Also, how fucking ripped is Brad God Pitt still? Damn Jesus it, Christ! When he was fixing that TV antenna and took off his shirt, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, he's like, <laughs> he's like in his fifties. He's too fucking handsome. <laughs> he, he is know. too fucking it's handsome. Very upsetting. <laughs> Makes me feel real bad about myself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and we're talking more about Brad Pitt, but Leo has like he Brad Pitt has a showy role. Let's let's right. be clear about that. I don't that. know if I agree with that. But I don't, I Leo has got the comedic, the like the real I, role. I right. don't think it's a showier. I think Leo has the showier role. Yeah, he yeah. has way more range in this movie. But it's it's just like Brad Pitt in Ocean's Eleven. He's just the coolest. Yeah, fucking yeah, he's, yeah. The, he's yeah. got the cool part, you yeah. know. And like Leo's like the basically like an actor over the hill who, yeah. who's having trouble adjusting to it. Like you know, it's it's really good. You know, it's the, his first scene is he goes and meets Al Pacino. At a bar, and, and Al Pacino um, manipulates the shit out yeah, of him. Yes, <laughs> which and, is great. And he, you know, Al Pacino offers him to um, star in spaghetti westerns, mm-hmm. and like Leo gets offended, and then he starts crying. And I, what I loved about that is in the car ride home with Brad Pitt, he's like, "They want me to star in Italian pictures." And how he said Italian made me fucking laugh <laughs> right. so hard. Yeah. It was so funny. There's a lot of references to Tarantino's own shit in this movie. Yes. There's a lot of references to everything. Yeah. Right. Leo's just an amazing actor. Like how he is, like pronounces certain words uh-huh. and like his facial expressions, like just masterclass no, of acting in this to, movie. To me, you know, you know, he he won for The Revenant long overdue, but to, and I think The Revenant's a good movie. I think he's really great in it, but to me Wolf of Wall Street, Django Unchained, and this are better. Yes. Yeah, I think oh, yes. this, this yeah. to me might be my favorite Leo performance because yeah, he's it's, so it's fucking good. Wolf of Wall Street is, is his scent of a woman. It's, you know, it was a Lifetime Achievement Award. It wasn't really an award for that performance. I mean, I'm sorry. The Red, 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 Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sometimes I like to, after this movie, I thought about this and it, it stuck with me ever since. Can you guys believe we got a movie with Leo and Daniel Day-Lewis in it at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> like, the Earth is six billion years old, but we got fucking yeah. Gangs of New York. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I fucking love everything about. It. I love uh, the, again they cast um, Timothy, Timothy Oliphant. Thank you as as the opposite lead. I mean, if there's one thing, so there are 
all directors obviously watch a lot of movies, but there are a couple of directors who watch fucking everything. Yep. Martin Scorsese is one of them. Quentin Tarantino is Another. very much one of yep. them. Yep. And so, like, Timothy Oliphant is fan service for both uh, Deadwood and Justified. Yep. Great. Yep. yep. There's also a, a guy who's one of, like, the, the background characters in one of those scenes. Uh, Clifton Collins, who's one of the main characters in Westworld. Also, I don't think it's an accident. I think that's, yeah, yeah. that's Tarantino being like, yeah, I like Westworld. Yeah. Did, did you guys notice that uh, Oliphant wasn't looking great in Well, this here's show. the thing. He I, usually looks I, great. I said this to Christian before, because Timothy Oliphant's got a very strange face. Right. Where he can, depending on, like, how his hair is and how you're, like, making him up, he can be a really handsome guy mm. Or he can look like a lesbian. <laughs> yeah. And in this one, he looked more like a lesbian. He definitely looked like he owned a bookstore. In it. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. Which, I, you know, is weird because he's supposed to look like the usurper. He's supposed to be like right. a younger, handsomer version, which I think he's probably older than Leo. <laughs> he might yeah. be. Yeah. But, uh, but, I, th- um, I thought Luke Perry was a strange choice. You know what I mean? I, I think he did good in it. Yeah. But, you know, I just, him in a Western with like, you know. Now it makes more sense now that he's dead. Yeah. But before that, yeah. yeah. I, you know. I, Tarantino's always got to do that. There's got to be always somebody he tries to bring to throw back. Over, yeah, yeah the, the resurrection. You know, I think if he was going to do it, though, he should have thrown him a bigger bone. Yeah, yeah not that's just true. Scene. So, uh, do do we want to get into the meat of the matter in this? The, yeah, let's okay, go. We're, so go. we're definitely in spoilers now. Here's the thing about this: I had this spoiled for me without actually a spoiler, just by reading one tweet that said this. It said, uh, "Quentin Tarantino's Lincoln." Someone talks him into not going to the movie theater. Mm. I mean, not going to the theater. And I was like, okay, so this is going to be just like Inglorious Bastards. Uh-huh. Yep. They're going to change the end, which, you know, I probably wouldn't have figured that out if Inglorious Bastards didn't. Uh, that's the thing. It doesn't really have the impact yeah. of Inglorious Bastards because you already have that idea of, like, he can just decide history is different if but he you wants see, to. I mean, he can, but disagree just as far as the way that the movie is played. Mm. Because, again, the whole time, and, and it is, it's, it's, a, it's a huge red herring fake right. out. The whole following Sharon Tate, the whole predatory thing, right. is just leading you further that direction to make you nervous for her. Right. Yep. And then when they come back, when after they get back from the plane ride, then they're giving you fucking timestamps. Right. Right. To to like at this time, the, you know, the narrator's telling you this person's doing this at this time. You know, like whatever, as if it's like you know a dot. You know, not like one of the forty-eight hours mysteries kind of things, right. trying to break down the timestamps right. of the crime. Uh, so I feel like it plays it really well so that you really think it's going to go that direction. If I hadn't saw the tweet, I probably would have believed yeah. it was the, going right until they break into uh, Rick Dalton's house. The the other misdirection I feel like in this movie is the amount of time Cliff spends with Pussycat and in the Manson family. Mm-hmm. Because I thought, okay, if the, the, you know he got out of that, this is just said. This is just an introduction for us to who these people are, yeah. so that when they go kill Sharon Tate, we know. Right, and because like you know that doesn't happen that way, like it really throws kind of the plot off the movie in the second half, or at least throws you off the scent of what the plot mm-hmm. is. But. And, ju- and just to be clear, so the Mansons break in, but they don't break into Sharon sure. Tate's house. They break into Rick Dalton's house. Yep, and it- it's completely different. And I, I should have seen this because the movie's like you said, it's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Right, they sets it up as a fairy tale. Yep. The other thing is. He let Sharon Tate's sister read this like a year out, yeah, and she signed off on it, yeah. So you had to think there was something going on. It like it makes sense. Like that, it wasn't going to be a yeah, gruesome. Because if yeah. they butchered Sharon Tate, she wouldn't have signed he, on. He one hundred percent told us what this movie yes. was. Yes, it makes so much sense. All too stupid yep. to know. That's what I walked out thinking. Like, I, exactly I do think that. One of his funniest sequences is you know when 
Brad Pitt gets super high on an acid laden yeah. cigarette, yep. and then the Manson family breaks in. Yeah, and I love that this follows that tried and true storytelling r- rule. If you introduce a really heavy can of dog food in the first <laughs> act, you use it as a dangerous 100%. projectile yep. in the third act. Yep. That was my maybe my favorite scene in the whole fucking I movie. Think, I think Chekhov said that. Yeah, they, yep. it was Chekhov. It totally. was Chekhov. Yeah. It's a Chekhov fit. Yeah, uh, I, I love. Also, I'm mad I didn't mention this before now. Brad Pitt and his dog are actually the best fucking dude. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Brandy's I will watch cool. another movie about those two. Yeah, Brandy's cool yeah. in that yeah. movie. Um, yeah, just his whole, like, and yeah. she yes. goes to town. I, yeah. I want to say, before we get to that scene, the scene before that where, where Rick goes and, like, accosts him with his smoothie while he's yeah. super drunk yeah. <laughs> is also one of the funniest I, yeah. scenes. I Goddamn really love hippies. the fat Elvis era of, of Rick at the yeah. end. That's, yeah. that's probably my yeah. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that really got me about this scene is um, when, you know, obviously all the murder is happening. And, uh, yeah, Cliff starts going to town on the chick and she's, he's banging her head in. The whole time you hear the other girl just screaming right. because Brandy is going to town on her. Right. And, like, I was like, I'm caught up in the head banging. And I'm like, oh, my God, this, like, awful mutilation right. sound is right. still happening uh-huh. in the background. Right. It caught me way off guard. So just out of curiosity, you mentioned before we went to see it that you laughed the hardest at one scene in this yeah. movie than you did in any other scene. What scene was it? Oh, no, the scene where he fucks up his lines and he's like... Oh, really? Okay. Oh, yeah, no, that was the one where he stared in the mirror and was like, I'm going to blow your fucking brains because, out if you don't get your lines right. It just killed me. To, to, to me, when the flamethrower thing happened... Oh, that's funny, too. Because... Again, check off thing. Right, yeah, I know. Well, it is. God, it's so good. Um... But but like when he was when he went into like the the little pool house area, I was like, oh, he's hiding. Right. And then as soon as even before I saw what he had, like as soon as I saw him walk, I was like, oh no! <laughs> right? <laughs> you definitely at that point think, okay, all the badassery will belong to yeah. Brad Pitt. And <laughs> yeah, it's great because they start playing the same song. It's like the Twelve Fists of McCluskey yeah, music, yeah. and they play it from the beginning. Uh-huh. Oh, he's got a flamethrower. Yeah. <laughs> I, I laughed so hard, like I coughed, and my throat hurt for the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just, I just, we both did not stop laughing that yeah. whole bit. I actually felt bad for like the other twelve people in yeah, the theater because we were way louder than everybody else. We were having a good time. That's yeah. okay. Um, yeah, I would have liked to seen this with a lot of people because I saw it with like seven or eight. That's people. what. We're, yeah. that's what ours was. Yeah. Fuck those people. That's fine. <laughs> oh, other great line from from that particular scene is when uh, you know, obviously Brad Pitt's tripping on acid and, right. and doesn't you know fully get a grasp right. of what's going on. But at one point, he looks at Texans like, "Are you real?" Texas, I'm as real as a donut, motherfucker. Yeah, that is a good. What is that? So random. <laughs> I'm here to do the devil's work. Now, everything Tex says is just awful, but yeah. it's funny. I thought man, I mean Manson is in that movie for three seconds. Yep, yeah. which it's shocking. You know, yeah, I thought we would get more out of that. You know what I mean? It's just more I, of his presence. I yep. think that's probably good. You know, yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. good we didn't get much of him. I think it's good we didn't get much of uh, Roman Polanski. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. We, we get more Polanski than Manson. Yeah, but. yeah. <laughs> too much Polanski, in my opinion. Probably. Uh, I was sad we go to the Playboy Mansion in the height of the 60s and no Hugh Hefner. Yeah, I feel like somebody should have got to play. Do you think that's who James Marston was going to be? That could have been. Because he, he, he had a part in this movie that, mm. got, that got filmed but cut, and it seems like that's who... I could did. see him walking around with like yeah. a velvet... Yeah, know. I could see yeah, that. that. That makes sense. I saw Tim Roth was in it got cut, too, yeah. in the credits. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I saw that, too. That was yeah. a shame. I like how he puts all his people, even if they're in the movie or not, yeah, yeah. he goes to the gang, you know yeah. what I mean? Right. <laughs> The gang was funny. That was Everything funny. is so stylized with him. It's yeah, just absolutely. Like, I love it so much. I, I wish he made more movies. So 
We only got one more, supposedly. What do you think the 10th movie will be? Because first of all, I don't believe it'll be the last one, but I do think it'll be yes. presented as being the last I one. I don't think it'll be the last one because now, because it sounds like he's given himself an excuse with Kill Bill. Well, he's always given himself that excuse. He's, he can do he's that. He's like gone on a rampage yeah. now that we're post the ninth movie. Right. He's like, no, Kill Bill's one movie, but I really don't know. I have no. There's been a lot of rumors. I sure as hell don't think it's Star Trek. No. I see. I think he either goes back to crime, like he does. Uh, he does a crime movie now that he's proved he can do other shit, or he goes to the one genre he hasn't really done, which is sci-fi. So you think he does do Star Trek? See, I don't know. I don't think he does Star Trek, but I think maybe he does his own sci-fi. Maybe not like a. You know, soaring through space sci-fi yeah. or something. But something different. He's, he's he's such a guy for practicals. I can't imagine See, him doing something big in CGI. Yet. I want him to. De- I almost kind of wish he didn't make this movie because I wish the per- the perfect Tarantino Star-, Star Trek movie is a direct sequel to the sixty five sixty eight original series, but in the same fucking style. Right. Like right. you don't update it at all. Right, right. This is Captain Kirk on the same. Fucking set Gene Roddenberry. Oh, that's, that seems like a thing he would do. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he would, yeah. And you would get off to that. He, he, <laughs> he has a real love for that shit as he showed in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's the movie I would want to see from him. Right, if he no, were going to totally. make a Star Trek movie, that's the one I would want it to be. Yeah, this movie, I, I really think, uh, I like to do Van Halen analogies on this. And uh, the fifth Van Halen record, Diver Down, a lot of people consider <laughs> to be the worst one of the original lineup okay, yeah, thing. Yeah. But uh but it, to me it's the most Van Halen record. It has a bunch of fun covers. There's just a whole lot of Eddie showing off on it. This is like the most Tarantino yeah, movie. For sure. Even though some of the it kind of just leisurely meanders in some place. It's it's about the shit that he really cares about. It's about movie making in this specific era. Yep. I think uh I think a a lot of this movie is like it's it's the most Tarantino movie, and it's it's weird because I almost feel like this is the starting point, and everything else kind of like branched out right. off of it, right. even though it's the last one he's made. Uh-huh. Because there's just so many fucking elements of right. everything else yeah. that all culminate in this one movie, and it all works in yeah. this movie. Yeah, like my favorite Tarantino stuff is like you know in Reservoir Dogs we were talking about Tiffin, you know, like those everyday scenes, and like mm-hmm. there was this in Spades, and you know there yeah. was so much of that, and that's yeah. my favorite part of Tarantino stuff more than the violence at the end. Like he's just everyday writing between Brad and Leo, like you said, watching the FBI show where they were mm-hmm. just wa- right. It was so fucking was funny. Cool. One, yes, one, one of the things I think, I mean, particularly with with Pulp Fiction, is you know he came on and he had characters who talked about pop culture, which is really if you think about it before that and movies isn't really a thing that happened that's the thing that sort of came on the scene in the 90s with Seinfeld on TV and with Tarantino in movies and then after that I think he spent a long time proving he didn't have to do that Mm -hmm. you know he did all the period pieces and stuff and this one's like okay now I'm gonna make an all pop culture movie this is this is all just this is shit about the shit that I like to watch for sure it's it's two hours and 40 minutes of pop art right yeah just so many cameos that were great like Michael Madsen pops up like Like, I mean there are so many famous people in that Michael? I love the Michael Madsen. Yeah, but has Michael Madsen been in all of them? I don't think he's been in all of them. Yeah, he's been know. in close. He's yeah. been. In, I think was he I was he's been in more than anybody. Even Sam Jackson, yeah. I think he's been in more of. Uh, Maya Hawk is in this. Yeah, yep, Maya Hawk. Who's is it, now? I want to know: is that part of it true? Did a Manson member back out that night? Or was that made up? I that, don't think so. I think oh, I I, that was part of the makeup because I wasn't sure about that. Yeah, if, if there was really, I think four. there. Were, yeah, I think there was four. There was okay. That was um, what I wasn't sure. Harley Quinn Smith is in this movie somewhere. Yep. Uh, yeah. Kevin Smith's daughter. 
Uh, She's got to be one of the Manson girls. Yep. Yeah. Rumor Willis was in it, right? Rumor Willis is in it. Lena Dunham, we mentioned. Bruce Stern. Uh, Clifton Collins Jr. from Westworld. Uh, and Scoot McNary for just a yes. random yes. ass cameo. Great. For one line. I know. Like, only Tarantino can get famous people for one fucking Sco- line. Scoot McNary playing the Scoot McNary role. It yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yes. He's like, a, he is always criminally underused. Tarantino either casts someone to be cool be someone different than they usually are, or be someone exactly who they always are. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, Walton Goggins in Django yeah. was exactly the part that Walton Goggins is sick of playing. The chick <laughs> from The Leftovers is exactly the chick she always is. Scoots McNary was Scoots McNary, you know? Yeah. I still love Scoot McNary. Every, t- every oh, time yeah. I pops up on screen, I'm like, oh, look at them. I'm glad he's getting work. <laughs> you know you know who hasn't got play in a Tarantino movie for a while? Just Yeah, Yeah. It's yeah. been a while. I would like to see him in yeah. one again. Put him in your Star Trek film. Yeah, he'd be a good <laughs> alien. Yeah, he'd be he good. <laughs> I have firm belief he would knock it out of the park. Uh, I would say on the Tarantino note, and I know we still have to do our rating, and I think we talked about doing a ranking. But on Instagram, we did Django versus Zorro, which is or Django and Zorro, which is a comic. Then there's rumor there'll be a live action version of. Got a lot of play on the IG. Most popular, your Pedro Pascal. Show. Right on, cool. Yeah, yeah. Zorro. Which, is, inter- right which is interesting because, again, I'm, I don't think he's isn't a good, he a good actor. actor? Yeah. I don't think he is. I don't really, but I mean, I you mean, guys saw that second Kingsman movie, right? Yeah. Like he really sucks in it. <laughs> but I mean, this he just looks like okay. Zorro. Like he in, looks like Zorro. <laughs> like in this, like in this movie. You know, I'm not saying Brad Pitt is not a good actor, but he didn't have to be a good actor. Yeah, to play no, this yeah, part. The, the, that's he just true. had to be fucking cool. That's true. Yeah, there you is know? there is definitely a middle ground there. We did also get a suggestion that was stupid of us for, to overlook. Miss Marvel 36 recommended Oscar Isaac. Yeah. Zorro, yeah, 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 yeah. Which is well, none of us said that. None of us said that. I, I honestly think I picked picked Pedro Pasquez because I thought one of you guys already picked Oscar Isaac. Yeah, he's so great. Again, on those things, I've tried to not reuse the same people, right? Because yeah. I would just cast Oscar Isaacs and Idris Elba in fucking everything. Right. You can't I mean, go wrong. That's fine. <laughs> uh, th- I, I was sad because I felt like this was the first one. There was no back door to pick Idris Elba, or I would. <laughs> <laughs> I did read an article about people trying to, like, you know, there's the Tarantino universe. Yeah. And yeah. people trying to draw conclusions. What they're saying, the one that they're trying to really pull out is Randy Kurt Russell, mm-hmm. you know, Stuntman, is the father of Stuntman Mike from Death Proof. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can totally get Which, on board. you know, I could definitely yeah. get behind yeah. that. Yeah. Um, definitely Red Apple Cigarettes is in there, which is in every single Tarantino movie. Um, and then there's that after credit scene where Leo does the Red Apple commercial. Oh, I didn't know there was an after credit I didn't know there was after credit Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's not nothing like, you it's, know what I mean? It's funny. It's we, funny. Almost, <laughs> we almost stayed, but we're like, well, they're not joining the fucking That's, that's exactly you know, what I said. Yeah, so there's like a little, where he does a Red Apple cigarette commercial. So it definitely, I think, takes place in the Tarantino universe for that reason. But um, there's still like, you know, there's articles right now. People are looking for more clues. Of but. course well, they are. Yeah. I, it, first I love, of all, I love that shit, by the way. People at BuzzFeed still need a job. I love that <laughs> shit. I, I love those things. First of all, I love that Tarantino thinks he can change the ending of World War Two, change what happened to uh, you know the with the Manson family and Sharon Tate, but he will not fuck with Sergio Leone's movies. He made sure that that, that, that in his spaghetti westerns that Leo was directed by a different spaghetti western director. Yep. There's some things that are sacred to him. Yep, and I know um, there's a part where Al Pacino talks to an Italian director when he's watching that FBI show, and he's like, "Hey, I'm talking to your." You know, your lead, and right. he's like the second best director. And Sergio Leone has got to be the one. Oh, yeah, no, is number yeah. one. You I know mean, what I mean? So, like, he's he, like a top five director. Yeah, so know. like he's right, you know, he's respecting that even there. Um, yeah. Also, you know, I think there could be a connection with Inglorious Bastards. At one point, uh, Aldo poses as a stuntman. 
Ooh. So, you know. I could I see that. Yeah. Well, yeah, they, they do. There is a specific callback where uh, when they're talking about, uh, at the very beginning, when Al Pacino's listing off the movies that are being done by Italian directors, mm. one of them is, I can't remember what it is. It's like Antonio Margheriti, which is, oh, yeah, uh, which yeah, is yeah. Al- Lieutenant Aldo's character. In- oh, right. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's cool. a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that when we were watching it. But <laughs> the second photo, Margheriti. Mar- yeah. <laughs> God, I love that movie. <laughs> I rewatched it this week. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's a good movie. I it's one I'd probably watch the least. I, I tell you what I do with Inglorious Bastards. I watch that opening yep. scene with Christoph Waltz all the time, but I never finish the movie. Uh-huh. But I finished the movie for the first time in her recently. It's really fucking yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a good transition. It is. Well, first off, Obviously. once upon once upon a time in Hollywood. Is it better or worse than Transformers? Yes. Better than Transformers. Better than it Transformers. It could be the best movie that we've reviewed since we started doing this podcast. Oh, I don't know about that. That's a tough one. I don't I, know anything I, that I would put above it. I Maybe Black Panther. I, I was thinking I about that on my way Black here. Panther. That was, but I, I was on my way over it. here. That was the only one I could think that I liked I, more. I, I, I only, I'm only mad you said it because I was about to say <laughs> it before you. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of one. I can't think of one. Uh, I can think of things that I maybe liked more that we talked about individually. But yeah, yeah, same. Did here. a whole show on. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. we mostly just talk about shit. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, no, it's it's 100 better than Transformers. Yeah. It's not even a question. It's a pretty yeah. fucking good flick. Yeah, I, it feels stupid even saying it. Yes, <laughs> it's better than Transformers. Do we want to say our top three Tarantino? We'll do our top three. Tarantino I mean, we agreed movie. on it. We did. I mean, I already know mine. It's not fucking hard. You go first. Uh, I'm gonna say. Pulp Fiction is number three. I'm going to put Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as number two. I really, really wow. fucking liked it. And Glorious Bastards number one. Fair enough. Yep. This is this is that, that that was all very surprising. I got a controversial. Yeah, I would say Django's my favorite. Yep. Pulp Fiction's probably number two, and this is number three. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Wow. I'm not as high on Glorious Bastards as other people. You guys really like this movie. Yeah, I, mean, I liked it, but I didn't think it was necessarily like his strongest. Oh or, no, yeah. Or, it's right there with Inglorious Bastards and like Reservoir Dogs is like top tier, but yeah. like right under Django and Pulp Fiction for me. Yeah. yeah. See, I'd put at this point, I'd put Reservoir Dogs pretty low on my list. It hasn't aged well for me. See, like I don't, know. I don't like Grindhouse. I think the Kill Bills are disjointed. Oh, oh you definitely, know I mean? Death yeah. Proof's the worst one. I think yeah. everyone. Can yeah, yeah. Them. Jackie Brown, I Tarantino like. Tarantino agrees. On yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> but um, I hardly count it. Yeah. Yeah, I watched Django again. Django is is fucking amazing too. So I mean, there's so many good things. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, I don't know. My number three is the, is the tough one for me because, again, I, I, this one's middle of the road for me. It'd probably be somewhere between Kill Bill Volume 1 and uh, and Hateful Eight. I mm-hmm. like both of those a lot, but I'd probably go for Kill Bill Volume 1 just because I'd be more apt to rewatch it. Yeah. Uh, number two is Pulp Fiction, and number one's Inglorious Bastards, because I fucking love Inglorious Bastards. I love Bastards. Inglorious it's Bastards. It's fucking incredible. Whatever won Best Picture that year was fucking wrong. Absolutely wrong. Okay, number three is the hardest for me because... I think I would have picked Hateful Eight, but my my logic on Hateful Eight was always saying it's the most Tarantino movie. And that's but no I longer just now said, it's not. <laughs> I just said that once upon a time is I think maybe I still like Hateful Eight more, but just I have a bad habit of not as bad as Ian, but overrating things right after seeing them. I don't know if I've told you guys this, but right after seeing The Crow, I said it was better than Star Wars. That's an Ian hot take if I, I've ever heard I one. I have a strong defense for it, but I won't even get into it here. But obviously, I do not agree with that even a week later. Uh, but I, I'm going to go ahead and give Once Upon a High number three in this. Yeah. Uh, number two, Django. Django's fucking awesome. Yep. Uh, it's like Jackie Brown in that I think it's one that exists the most 
out of outside of being a Tarantino movie. Like it, it it's just a good movie on yep. its own without his style, but it also has his style. And I don't know what you fucking fakers are talking about. Pulp Fiction. That's a once in a generation movie. I that, put in the, we have the same three. But you but it's not top. <laughs> Pulp Fiction should be the top of everybody's <laughs> list. That movie was a fucking game changer. I was uh I was just old enough that I had started going to like punk rock shows and stuff like that. This is I'm I, this is what a game changer that fucking movie was and after it was over we'd go to whatever fucking 24 hour coffee shop we could and sit around and talk shit and stuff like that the week before that movie start it was like me my friends and like four or five homeless people the week after that shit those places were fucking packed and everybody was in there trying to have their own fucking honey buddy conversation like that movie's the best movie this guy's ever done and ever will do so I think the problem that I, I love Pulp Fiction, it's in my top three, of course, is that I, while I was alive when Pulp Fiction came out, I was not old enough to fucking watch Pulp right, Fiction. Right, right, right. Um, that like looking back on it, and I kind of feel this way about like Scarface too. Mm. The fact that everyone fucking loves it. Hang so on a much, second. Let's not compare Pulp Fiction to Scarface because Scarface is not actually a good movie. Hold on, let me finish my fucking thought, (laughs) please. I go into it looking to tear it apart. Right. Sure. And so Pulp Fiction is actually really fucking good, unlike Scarface. (laughs) Hold on. on. Uh, Scarface is good. It's not. It's not Pulp Fiction good, but it's fine. So. I appreciate Absolutely a lot of what not. it is and still say it's fucking great, but it didn't have that kind of cultural effect to me. I mean, definitely it might have to, a lot of this has to do with my age. Yeah. You know, yeah. people say that the 90s is Nirvana Nevermind and that's a great fucking record, but the 90s is Pulp Fiction. That's very that true. Is, that is like the cultural moment of that decade. Yeah, yeah, I enjoy Django more than I enjoy Pulp Fiction. I do. I probably can watch Django yeah. more because I've... Pulp Fiction is such a thing with me. I've got to, like, I can't let a bad mood get on it. Yeah. Like, unless I'm in the exact right spirits, I can't put that That's shit funny because Pulp Fiction lends itself, I think, most easily to, like, popping in and out because it's got that, you know, different story. Th- that that yeah. broken up structure. Right. So you can just, like, if, if you miss a little bit, you can just come in at whenever the next story starts. <laughs> right, right. I will say, talking about Django, Django and Once Upon a Time are the closest for me. Like, they probably could switch the two, and they they have a lot of similarities to me, not just because Leo's in both, but just, like, even... Because I think Django, I know you say you think, like, Jack about it, it feels very Tarantino mm-hmm. to right. me. Like, in that, the dude obviously loves, like, 50s and 60s culture, obviously, he just made this movie, but he... Oh, that's his Western movie, but yet also kind of exists outside of the genre of Westerns. And it's a spaghetti Western. I mean, it, that, that it, movie it, is a spaghetti Western. I, yeah, I think what I meant by that it's it's one that I don't have to be in a Tarantino That's mood fair. Yeah. to put on. Yeah, but what you guys said, you guys picked Inglorious Bastards over Django, but like I like Christoph Waltz in Django more than Inglorious Bastards. I just think it's a stronger movie, top to bottom. Oh, I I, I think Christoph Waltz in Inglorious Bastards may be like top five performance we've had in this decade. Uh, do you want an Oscar for Django? Do you win it for Inglorious Bastards too? I think I, think I, know, I thought he won it for Inglorious. I thought he won it for Inglorious. I think, I think he won two. I think he's won two. I'm gonna look that up. Either, I mean, he is, like, he's intimidating in the beginning, uh-huh. but, like, the back half of the movie is, like, straight comedy, and he delivers all of those lines perfectly. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just so fucking good. Brad Pitt's great. The cameos are awesome. Yeah. I mean, and it, it really is only, like, it's, like, six scenes, yeah. but each scene is, like, 40 minutes long. Yeah. God, it's just, it's fucking great. De- definitely. Yeah, it's, he won for both. So he has oh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I knew he won for Django. So he won I, for both. That's another one where I wonder why uh, Tarantino hasn't went back to him for a while. Because it 
feels like he's in a, he's in a hateful eight, but he's not. Well, yeah, yeah. Tim Roth is one hundred percent supposed to be Christoph Waltz. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Christoph Waltz could have been. You know, the director who's like telling Leo, "I need to put the makeup, like the mustache, yeah. and hippie you up." That could have been Christoph. Yeah, Waltz. yeah. No. you know what I mean. That would have been great. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look again, we're the fucking target audience. <laughs> <laughs> uh, besides Grindhouse, there's not really a Tarantino experience. I just. I haven't enjoyed and myself in. I'll even say I'll even say that Death Proof I still think it's better than Transformers. I think it's yeah. a good movie. I just it you know, I think the problem it's it might be the only movie where he second gets himself where he's trying to balance between doing cheesy horror movie dialogue and Tarantino dialogue yeah. and he goes for both and doesn't really land either. Yeah. And also there's like six female leads in it that yeah. he doesn't do a good job differentiating. They and all I, could be. And I think Zoe Bell was a mistake, maybe. She, she can't really act. Like, she couldn't in that, but in this, in her one scene, she was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I mean, think making her the lead might not yeah, have been the best sure. idea. So, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Once Upon a Time do, in Hollywood. I do think, I, uh, Jehu suggested this, and you guys didn't really answer. What do you think the 10th movie is? I'm curious to hear what you guys think. What's, is it, is it going to be his last one, and what do you think it is? I would really, really doubt that it's his last one. I, I, like I said, I think he'll present it as being his yeah, last definitely. one. Yeah, definitely. Maybe even break off and do just directing or just writing for a while, but he'll come back and do his own movie. Yeah, I, I think that it's going to be something original. Like, Tarantino needs to lock himself in a room and, like, drink a bunch. and You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's going to write something new. I don't think it's anything we've seen before. And I think you're right. He'll build us a tenth and final. Mm-hmm. His ego is so big. Mm-hmm. In, in four years after, he'll I mean, be I just, back. I, you know I mean, what I mean? He, there, I'm sure there's an ego component. But I don't think, also think he just fucking loves movies. He loves right. making movies. And he loves writing movies. Yeah. And I, I, I imagine that he's already got, like, six scripts halfway written. Right. For, oh, agreed. For, there, for a bunch yeah. of other, you know, like... Yeah. And so... As he, as he's aging and it's been several years since he did the last movie and he's just like doing whatever the fuck he's gonna do after movies, how can he look at those scripts and not be like, well, maybe I can make this one too? I think right. I think that's an interesting point, Jehu. I, I I think what you may see is this is the last one he writes and directs. Like it's solely a Tarantino right. film where he may go into doing just directing or just writing. What 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 movies has he done screenplays for? There's True Romance, which is awesome, and there's Dust Natural Born Killers, which is terrible. Yeah, Dust uh, Dawn. Dust Dawn is good. Yeah. Um, he wrote he, a he wrote a scene in Sin City. He wrote a he wrote I think he wrote it's uncredited, but he wrote a scene in Crimson Tide. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, it's if you're thinking of Crimson Tide and you're thinking which scene is the Tarantino one, it's that one. Yeah, the Sin, yeah, the Sin City scenes were Benicio del Toro's headless talking to Clive Owen in the car. I think. Oh, right mm-hmm. on. Yeah, but yeah, I'd like to see him do some more because, like, you know, with True Romance, that was cool seeing another director do something yep. with his story and his dialogue. Yeah, honestly, if he didn't stop directing movies, that'd be okay. Keep writing because what I love about Tarantino is the writing. Yeah, I that, mean, that's what sets him apart. That's what I think is going to happen if they decide to make this Star Trek movie. He's not going to direct it, but right. he'll write it. If they decided to make the Django sequel, and if it did fucking have Zorro in it, he'll write it. He's not going to direct yeah. it. Right. I, I did hear him do an article that says if he does leave movies, he would like write a play, like go to theater, which... I mean, Hateful Eight already is. That's what right. I mean. Like He would start doing more like that, which I could, or write a book. You know what I mean? Like he, I think he's going to keep writing. I think... what Didn't one of these start as a book? Did Once Upon a Time start as a book? Hateful or? Eight started Hateful as Eight a play. Started. Yep. yep. But I don't know. Things work out the way. I, I was very pleased, though. Yeah, very pleased yeah. with that movie. Yeah, this will this will hold me over for a few years till we get <laughs> yeah. to yeah. this again. Fair enough. I mean, is there is there a director you look forward to more? Maybe Nolan. That's probably the only person I, I you rank could put Tarantino in. over Nolan. Well, no, yeah, that's the thing. Tarantino has only hit. Nolan's had some like you know, not not like bombs, but some you know less yeah, yeah, successful, yeah, yeah. less acclaimed. I think I he's also, the only person you could put in the same breath as like a. 
you go to see the director. You don't go to see directors anymore. Like I even would, Spielberg's gone. You know. I'm gonna go say Scorsese. Yeah, that's I, another I one. go to that's see Scorsese. Movies. I mean, I, I definitely put the Coen Brothers above them. Yep. You know, yeah. the Coen Brothers are the guys I look forward to the most. But beyond that, like, still right now that I, I that I know, like, like at one point I would have put Spielberg above yep. him, but yeah. I don't know that I do that now. Same with Scorsese. You know, I, you know, Scorsese more hit and miss, which he probably swings for the fences more too. But you know, uh, I'm Scorsese a lot of hits on. Yeah, I'm a lot of hits on Scorsese. I, I know a lot of people didn't like Silence. I like I, Silence. No, Silence is a good movie. It's, it's just Adam no Driver it. is fucking awesome. So in is them. the other guy, Who's Andrew gonna, Garfield. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that movie's fucking dope. Um, and I, you know. People talk shit on Shutter Island. I think that's one of Leo's best performances. Shutter Island's movie's fucking I good. Lo- I love Shutter I, Island. Shutter Island is real fucking good. I like how it, it's kind of it. I think it gets crapped on because it and Inception are kind of the same movie. Yeah, and Inception's the better of the two movies. All I've heard about Shutter Island is people could see the ending from a mile away, but I didn't see it. Maybe I'm I, stupid. I mean, I just don't so think... it caught me off guard. I'm real good at tearing <laughs> movies down, and I didn't catch it. Yeah, so. my thing is. Ed Harris is such a great villain. Dude. I know. My, my thing is, even if you did figure out, does that make it a bad movie? No, yeah. totally. No, yeah, that was like the main criticism. Cause, cause, right, because yeah. that is right, like, it was like I, know, I knew what the ending was, so the rest of the movie sucks. You have I'm, to put those clues in the movie. Yeah. You yeah. don't. The worst kind of that mystery is, is a mystery that you can't solve. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not saying solving it makes it better. No, it's better when you don't. But if you don't put the shit in there to solve it... Like, then it feels cheap. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm I'm mostly hits on Scorsese. I like the Coen Brothers a lot, but see, they've been kind of hit or miss for me lately. Like yep. Hail Caesar, I didn't really love, and I, and I've heard Hail Caesar is better on multiple viewings. I, I'm, that's I'm true. A lot of Coen Brothers that, movies. Yeah. I did, you know I wasn't impressed with it the first time, right. so I haven't gone back to it. The Netflix show was fine, but it wasn't blowing me away either. The, the Ballad ne- of Buster Scruggs. Yeah, like it was. I like it was, it was, it was uneven. Like I, it was better in the beginning than the end. I think. I liked that more than I liked uh, Hail Caesar. Which, by the way, there there were definitely some some parallels to me between Hail Caesar and, and for sure they're, yeah. they're both oh, love letters. Yeah, letter totally. Early Once, Once upon a time is a better movie than Hail the, Caesar. Uh, yes. the, I was telling I was telling Christian the uh, the scene where you know Leo's doing his his really intense performance, right. and it's like a really long scene, and they've got these tracking shots around the actors, and it's like you're really invested in this movie. You don't even know what the fucking plot is, but right. you're like, wow, this is like serious. And then you know he stops and. Line. Right. <laughs> oh my god, that was funny. Oh, it's so good. I fucked this all up. I fucked. <laughs> I don't. It, I will say he is in like an event himself. And well, yeah, and, and it, I think it is because he's only hit, and they're so infrequent. Yeah, right. Uh, that's true. I, I think both of those things really build the anticipation. We're talking nine movies over twenty years. Yeah, like, right. Yeah, I look forward to the and a guy who could have just cashed in over and over. over Absolutely. And over yeah. 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 Um, yeah, agreed. Now, let's look forward to the next one. Yep. In the meantime, what have we been watching, guys? Ian? Um, I have not really been watching much. I, wa- I did watch Django. We talked about that. But mostly I've been playing that Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. <laughs> yep. I am on the last level. I got Black Panther. I'm in Wakanda. AIM. You guys know who AIM is? Yep, You're- I do. Yeah. Uh, advanced Idea Mechanics. Yeah, and MODOK is taking over Wakanda. Yeah. And yeah, it, that game is fucking nuts. You go to Attil- Atelian, where the Inhumans on the moon. Yeah. Like, I'm talking... It's the most wide story I've ever seen. Um, highly recommended. Is this a new game? Yeah, yeah, it came out like a week ago. Yeah, I'm not going to pay for it when it's new. It's, uh, I'll get it in like so a year. <laughs> Modoc is the character I want most to appear in the live action movies because <laughs> I still have no fucking idea how they would do it. Yeah. I think it, I think at one point the Russos wanted to do him. I think in Winter Soldier yeah. he was going to be in That it, seems like a thing the Russos would want to do. Right. Yeah. I wasn't familiar with him, but he's cool. He's right. like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I said, they, they write like cutscenes for all this, so you got to get to know everyone. But um, yeah, really good game. 
machine something designed only for killing. Yes. Yep. Yeah. It's so good. So yeah, I would highly recommend it on. It's only on Switch. So if you got a Nintendo Switch, no. Yeah. Oh anyway. fuck. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yep. Uh, I also watched another Tarantino <laughs> movie. I rewatched *Inglorious Bastards*. I made Kate watch it this time, and she was okay with it. I mean, it's not really her cup of tea, but she made it through. That's impressive. I just fucking, I fucking love that movie. I love everything about it. What else did I watch? Oh, my wife loves reality television, and I am not a fan of reality television. But she got me to watch a uh, glass blowing competition on Netflix called <laughs> *Blown Away*. Which I will say this: glass blowing. Lends itself to television. Right. There's, you know, all sorts of colors, and people look like they're doing difficult shit, and it's hot, and they're sweaty. <laughs> and also, I consider myself at least sixty percent of a hipster. I've shopped at Urban Outfitters. I've got a beard, and I'll drink IPAs. <laughs> but shit, those people are annoying. <laughs> like every single one of them, and they'll say something, and you're like, I agree with what you're saying, but I just really fucking hate the way you say it. Right. So I sat through the whole show. They're all terrible. The winners, I mean, they're good at what they do. They're just awful human beings. But it's eight episodes. It's 20 minutes. If you want to watch people make cool shit out of glass, fine. It's worse than Transformers. I also, this one's for you, buddy, started Downton Abbey this week. Oh, wow. God, that show's good. <laughs> I was 12 minutes yeah. in and fucking hooked. <laughs> in, that, in that theme song, fucking great. Dude, I did not anticipate <laughs> oh, myself no. to be like, oh, I get why everyone loves this show. But I'm like, I fucking get why everybody loves this oh, show. Oh, yeah. It it makes no sense why a 1912 soap opera that aired on PBS is the most entertaining thing I've ever seen, but it's the most it's entertaining. It's so good. It has um, the guy from Legion come in yet? He's the best character. Yeah, he pops Matthew up. Matthew uh, Cousin Matthew? Yeah. He, fucking love Cousin like Matthew. Like the second episode, he pops up. Yeah. <laughs> like, just so you guys are aware how this show starts and what I mean by it's a fucking soap opera, it starts the day the Titanic sank. Yep. Right. And that is an important plot point mm-hmm. to this show. Um, one of the two of the characters like are secretly gay, yep. uh, and they just oh, it's it's a soap opera. It's a soap through opera through and through. It's fucking great. There are though. these just like <laughs> like plot points that you're like, there's no way this is important, but it just changes the whole fucking landscape for the Crawley family. But Lady Grantham is the best. Grandma. Oh, she's hilarious. She gets all the lines. Yeah, all the lines. Um, <laughs> it it it's way better than Transformers. I did not know I was gonna love it, but I did. I've watched the first season already. And I started like on Sunday, so yeah, it's good. Uh, yeah, that's it. You know, there's a movie good. coming. Yeah, I'm trying. To, I'm going to get done before the movie. Comes okay, out. yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, in in comics, uh, you know, I read the new X Men relaunch. Which oh, yeah. The X Men get relaunched about every two years. The X Men, if you don't know, has been on shaky ground for a few fucking years. It used to be Marvel's like fucking flagship moneymaker, and when Disney bought Marvel and found out they could not make money off that concept. They basically put down the uh, the rule that you could not create new characters in the X-Men. Can I ask you something? What? Since you're the expert here on the subject, mm. I always heard a rumor on the internet that Disney was doing that intentionally to fucking, like, sink sales on the comic. No, definitely. To fucking get the property back. 100%. I mean, they benched the Fantastic Four. Benched the Fantastic Four. And, yeah, they, they totally, because... Like, every time the X-Men would sort of start getting going, like, Jason a- a- Aaron and uh, Karen Gillan had kind of a good run going. They brought in Brian Michael Bendis to just ruin it, to just destroy <laughs> it. And uh, so it's been it's been in bad shape for a while. And they tried to work around by making the Inhumans their X-Men. They totally yeah. tried to do that. That's what they tried to do. And it was weak. And this is Jonathan Hickman who did 
Secret Wars, right? Secret Wars, Avengers. He did the last really good run of the Fantastic Four. I love Secret Wars. Is my last like Marvel comic event that I love. Like you were, you, that was when we were working yeah. together, and like with that shit's fucking amazing because it was basically. Uh, we're talking about Secret Wars 2, right? Yeah, what's the yeah. HBO show? Uh, Game of, it's Game of Thrones with Marvel. Yeah, like, that's yeah. what that was. Yeah. And it was fucking dope. Um, yeah, it, it sort of... This re this relaunch sort of seems like it kind of resets everything to sort of the Grant Morrison era, who they who the all-new X-Men battle in their first uh, in their first appearance is an island called Kratoa, mm-hmm. Krakatoa or whatever. Um, and they all the mutants have relocated it, declared it a nation state where all mutants have amnesty. And same much beyond that's hard to say at this point, except that it was a fun read. The, it's two different books. One of them sit right now, and the other one, one of them's called House of X, and the other one's called Powers of X, which is actually pronounced Powers of Ten. And mm-hmm. what that means is there's, they, part of the storyline takes in place in X-Men year one, then year ten, then year 100, then year 1000. Mm, cool. And, uh... And that one's a little hard to follow at this point, but I'm sure it'll. <laughs> I, it'll I did come read an opinion up. piece that they were saying is, is Professor X possibly the villain? A, that, he seems real creepy in this. There is another layer on here we haven't got to because he definitely seems creepy in the present. We never see his eyes. Uh, he's always wearing Cerebro, so he's got like it, a portable Cerebro. Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. There's so there's something there's something weird going on in that. Um, the other thing I've, I've watched this week, I almost wasn't going to bring up, but since you guys talked about Downtown Abbey, I'm going to talk about this, even though no one on earth is going to be interested in this. I found out you can watch episodes of soap operas from the eighties on YouTube (laughs) and you don't understand what a fucking game changer this is for me. Cause when I was a kid, my favorite things were comics, wrestling, and soap operas. And the thing those they three... They have a lot in common. They, they have all have a lot in common. They're all soap operas. And the thing is, <laughs> one of the big things they had in common is once they went away, they were gone forever. There was no reruns. There was no syndication. Uh, that's changed for comics and, and mm-hmm. uh, wrestling. It didn't really change for soap operas. So being able to go back and watch this shit so fucking on for me like uh i saw a specific moment i had seen that had blown my mind as a kid like watching it with my grandma and i just fucking geeked out so that's <laughs> I, so i haven't watched anything real this week i've just watched old episodes of as the world turns and guiding Lives. <laughs> good yeah um, Respect. Indeed. In anticipation, football is coming up, and uh, the best football television show, Hard Knocks, is coming out next week. But in the meantime, I'm watching, I started the first episode anyway, of uh, the Amazon knockoff All or Nothing, which is objectively worse. The Panthers? It's one? the Panthers this oh. year. And it's uh, a year behind. Right. Well, that's the, that's one of the problems, <laughs> is you know what happened, so there's a certain level of drama that's not there. But one of the things I did like, at least from the first episode, is you get to see Cam kind of in his, like, you know, not his game day face. Yeah. So he's a little bit more toned down. He's a little bit less, you know, in your face. And, I, you know, that's kind of nice to see, because I know a lot of people don't like Cam for that reason. So I may or may not get to Does he come it. across as likable, Cam? Uh, he, he, just, he just comes across as more serious. Okay. Than he does, you know, when you see him playing. Because he's he's an interesting character, you know. Like yeah, person. absolutely. Like, I would yeah, like yeah. to know more about him. I also, I actually also watched the first uh, the first scene in a little bit of Inglorious Bastards with my wife because I wanted <laughs> to show it to her. Uh, I, we also watched uh, all of Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Great movie, which is great. But you know, I I've found this the last couple times I went back to Edgar Wright movies. His pacing is always weird to me. 
Like something about it is jarring, and I think it's because like he, you know, he does these really snappy transitions. I don't know. He's got he's got a lot of like quick cut things. He's got a lot of things that match up to the music really well, all that kind of stuff. But then there's moments that aren't those things, and I feel like when it's not one of those quick cut things, it feels off right. somehow. Right. And so you know, even though I really love that movie, there are still moments where it's like. It's not even that slow, but it feels slow, you know? I haven't watched that one in a long time. It's really I, great. I loved it. Yeah, it's on Netflix. It's You know, I could see how maybe the second half of it could maybe just have weird pacing because that story hadn't been written yet when they started this, yeah. you know? But uh, but uh, but that's a fucking great movie. I would love someone else to watch it and see if I'm crazy. Because okay. I, that's another dude who needs to do another movie. Edgar Wright? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I would yeah. say I'm an Edgar Wright. Yeah. yeah. Like that. Uh, not as much as Quentin Tarantino, but I will go to a movie specifically. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Director-driven, for sure. Um, I watched Justice League versus The Fatal Five, which was fun to go back to the Timiverse. Yeah. yeah. Which is set in the same universe as Superman, the animated series, and Justice League. And they bring back, I mean, it's the animation style. They bring back the musical cues. It's really great. To be fair, it's not much of a movie. It's kind of just like two episodes of the show. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. stuck together. So I was like... I feel kind of gypped because it didn't feel like, I don't know, it didn't feel cinema scale. I mean, it was directed DVD, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, it definitely, it, it leans on the new characters a little hard. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I mean, I understand they're, they're, those two characters are very 2019. Sure. So, so I could see why you'd want to do that maybe for new fans and stuff like yeah. that. But also, I don't really think a lot of new fans are showing up to this. So. No, well, that's kind of the yeah. problem. Yeah, no, the, the, the movie itself is very much about like heroes that have mental health issues and kind of that mental health issues aren't like your one defining factor. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, as as a person, you know, good messages again. Great for two thirty minute television shows. Maybe not my favorite choice for the movie, but I still like going back to this world. Was the thing that bothered you the Thanagar thing? No, the thing that bothered me is that all those characters have met the Legion of the Superheroes before. Oh, that's right. As a matter of fact, Superman's cousin is a member of yeah, the Legion yeah. of the Superheroes. Is that the is that the other guy that looks like him, like Superman that came out of the bubble? Yes, they didn't yeah. talk. Okay, yeah. Okay. No, yeah. no, no. Supergirl is is. Yeah, Monel she, is also is super is. Cousin, yeah, that's but, what I mean. Yeah, but, yeah. Because like, I don't know if that's been that. established okay. in this universe. Oh yeah, because there was a bit in this where yeah. where uh, Hawk Girl goes back to Thanagar, and I was like, I don't think she's going back to Thanagar. <laughs> right. I don't think a, she'd be. I didn't even think of that, but she definitely would not be welcome. There was a whole thing about that in the yeah. series. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing I watched a lot of shit this week. The other thing I watched is uh, Under the Silver Lake. Which is oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the film by, I cannot remember his name for the life of me, but the director who did uh, It Follows, which I fucking love. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll give it to him, it's a big swing, <laughs> you know? It's, uh, so it's, it's kind of a noir-style mystery. Is this Andrew Garfield? Yes. Uh, you know, noir-style mystery set in present day and kind of standard to a noir film. Your main character is an awful guy. But what I like about it is, you know, in a lot of things, it's like, you know, a private detective or something. So it was maybe like formerly a cop, but disgraced or whatever. This guy is nothing. <laughs> He's just an unemployed bum <laughs> who just starts stalking a girl. Um, and he like beats up little children. It's amazing. Like he's literally like the worst. <laughs> What's the name of this movie? It's called Under the Silver Lake. It's on David Amazon. Robert Mitchell. I looked it up. That doesn't even ring any bells. That's the director. But it, it's just... It's such a strange movie. So it, it's very much like it's a conspiracy theorist wet dream is what this movie right. is. Because the whole thing is that as he's trying to search for this girl, he's uncovering these secret patterns and everything that end up becoming clues to this other thing that he's uncovering. And, you know, it gets very like lizard people and shit. Like right. it's, it's like that level of tin hattery. Right. And I, I, it was just a little bit more bizarre than I was expecting. Right. And to me, the whole thing is... I. Because I, I've seen this director's work, 
I'm fairly confident there was more layers here. I'm fairly confident that there's a lot of fucking shit, like, clues for us for, like, rewatching. If you want to go back and, like, see the secret things here in the background that tell you about this. Because, again, the whole movie is about secret messages. Right. And there's constantly just words and patterns and shit in the background all the time. And I suspect it would really reward you if you cared and wanted to rewatch it. But I just didn't. <laughs> I just want to see him beat up little kids. Yeah, and you should. It's right. It's... And it's a, it's. I don't know if it's a good movie. I don't know if it's better or worse than Transformers. It's you have to pick one. It's worse. It might be yeah, worse yeah, than if Transformers. You're thinking that hard, it's definitely. It might worse. be worse than Transformers, <laughs> but I still, you know, if you liked it, follows. I think you should try it. So none of us have watched The Boys on Amazon. No, no. I wanted to, but yeah, I'm thinking this week I'm going to go in. It's it's based I, on a graphic novel. Have you read that? I have a very complex relationship with anytime Garth Ennis does superheroes. Yeah, I just feel yeah. like he's specifically calling me a dickhead, <laughs> and I don't enjoy that. <laughs> I love Preacher. I love a lot of the stuff he does, but every time he goes to superheroes, I'm I'm just not into it. But uh, I do like Carl Urban a lot, so I'll probably Yeah, watch I've it. heard good things, so I'm going to check that out this week. Yep. I mean, it does seem like a show about, like, tearing down superhero culture. Well, I mean, and you know, I mean... And you take that offensive. I, 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 <laughs> I do, even though I also hate superhero culture at this point. Uh, but, you know... It's, it's like your little brother. Like, you can beat him up, but nobody else right. can. Right, <laughs> yeah, totally, exactly. It's my people. Yeah. Yeah. Understandable. It's so hard to carve out an hour for me to watch TV by myself because I can tell you my wife is not going to enjoy that show. Yeah. No. Dude, you're watching a better show anyway. <laughs> Stay on, on Downton. Uh, do we know what we're going to do? Hobbs and Shaw? Is that a thing? I don't know that I can go see another movie this weekend, yeah. guys. Well, I mean, it's but... been a long time since we've done a topic episode, yeah. if yeah. I'm honest with you. And honestly, Hobbs and Shaw is not a must-see to me. Have you, have you watched it already? No, no, I'm just saying, like... I, we've I, seen I think it's going to be fun, fast, I don't know if we're going to Yeah, like, it's it. not like a, I'm not going to watch it tonight. We, so have you know seen, I mean? we have seen a lot of it in the trailers. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's let's plan on a topic episode next week. Let's What's that topic? We don't it's, know. It's a surprise. Hashtag wait, wait and see. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so that's it. We good? Yep. Anybody yep. else? All right. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you like this, please rate and subscribe and tell all your friends. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us and rank your favorite Tarantino films, you can reach us at realphonies at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter uh, at realphonies and on Instagram at real underscore phonies. Thanks to Zach Evans for art and Brian Velasquez for our theme. See you guys next week. Later. Later.